Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. To let you in on who we are as a team, we represent three generations partnering together to lead a local church and a global resource center called Giving Light. To learn more about us and our ministry, visit us at www.givinglight.org. Justice is a word that can mean many things to many people. So today we'll discuss justice, which we define as power used for good. The truth is all of us hold the capacity to influence our world in either a good or bad direction. And that's something that we should take very seriously. Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today we are going to get to talk about Dr. Melody's, one of her very favorite topics. (laughs) Uh, me, right? No, just kidding. No, <laughs> you no, no. are one of my favorite topics. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to get to talk about justice today. And I think that word can make people's brains automatically go a lot of different directions. You might already have your um, ideas of what justice is uh, for you or in the world. But uh, we want to dive into your definition, Dr. Melody, mm-hmm. on what justice is. So why don't you tell us what that is? Well, one of my greatest passions is leadership and equality equipping leaders, but it's leaders who are instruments of justice. And my definition of justice is power used for good. And of course, the key scripture for this is in Micah 6.8, where he says, I'm showing you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice. Mm -hmm. This is what we are supposed to do. This is what God requires of us to do justice. He requires us to love mercy and to walk humbly before him. So it's what we're called to do, what we're called to love, and how we are to walk. And that's with justice, mercy, and humility. And that is really the foundation of all of leadership. And so whether we're talking about the family unit, whether we're talking about a ministry organization or a business organization or just friendships, whatever it is, we should lead and impact people's lives with a heart to do good. So it's not abusing our authority, as in injustice, using my authority to take from you what I want, but no, using my power and my authority and my leadership to do good for you and others. And that's how we really build the kingdom. And I think it's so important and uh, because our God is our model. He is the one that we look to. And if this is how God views things and how God functions, then this is what we need to adopt into our lives. I know that you are super passionate about this subject. (laughs) So you can interrupt me anytime you you want. You can talk about this and you can preach this. And I guess I, I I know a lot of your stories, but most of the people that are listening to this don't know your story. So where did this passion for justice come from? Oh, well, um, probably, I believe God put it in me before the foundations of the world. (laughs) No, but but really, um, uh, I was molested from the time I was two years old to nine years old. Uh, There was a lot of situations and circumstances in my life that were really unjust, Mm -hmm. uh, that... You think a little two-year-old, uh, a man using his power, and there were multiple ones, using their power to satisfy themselves at a two-year-old's expense. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I can say that from a place of healing and wholeness and with a heart to do justice uh, on behalf of others. But when you think about it, that's really sick. Yeah. And so any form of—now, that's really vile— but I've learned through the years that whenever we use our power to take from someone else, it is injustice and it hurts the Father's heart because God uses His power for our good. Everything God has ever done or ever will do is for our good. Yeah. And, and I love it because in Psalms, it talks about righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. He rules and reigns from righteousness, which is right actions, doing the right thing, yeah. and from justice. And That is so powerful because if that's how he rules, reigns, and leads, that's how we should want to rule, reign, and lead on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, that's 
um, the purpose that that we have to be instruments of justice. But for you, as a little girl, um, there was a, a misuse and a, an abuse yeah. of power that through that molestation, that sexual abuse. Um, and so, how did that kind of color the direction of your life um, going forward? Well, it it totally caused me to walk in horrific shame, yeah, horrific fear. And living a self-protective, self not self-control as in the fruit of the Spirit, but putting this wall around my heart, which uh, not just kept bad out, but kept good out as yeah. well. And, and so, but my heart always broke for the marginalized. My heart always broke for somebody who was being taken advantage of. And I would rise up and I would fight. I was an alpha young girl and an alpha woman, you know. I go to work for the FBI and I get to D.C. and I'll step on you before you step on me. All in trying to fight for justice and I was doing injustice (laughs) and I didn't know how to navigate any of it uh, until I came to a point where... Uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And so you think you went into the FBI because that heart of justice was inside of you? Like Yes, I'm thoroughly convinced of that because I was driven to confront what I thought was evil and unjust. I, I was driven. I didn't know how to do it righteously because I wasn't a believer. Um, so your form of justice was a payback and revenge. Yeah, and, and I was a man-hater. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was a woman's liber. Mm-hmm. And if you were a man, I made this assumption immediately that you were a perpetrator and you were evil. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I don't that, think I've ever asked this. I, I've heard your stories lots of times, but in that you were a man hater, were you also um, like a woman's protector? Were you focused on defending other women or was it more just you? I don't think I was really an advocate for a woman either because I thought they were weak. I yeah. thought they were too emotional. I just saw all the things that quote unquote women did that positioned them to be the victim yeah. is how I viewed most other women. Where my heart broke was for those that it was very ob- obvious that they were marginalized. Uh, you know, I, I have a story that I tell that just wrecked my world because here I am working for the FBI, wanting to do justice every day, all day long in the laboratory division. I'm dealing with cases of injustice. Yeah. And I had, uh, you think, all that I experienced that I'm feeding on evil all day long. Yeah. and um, But I would walk back and forth from Capitol Hill to the FBI building on Pennsylvania Avenue, and I would pass this homeless man, and he was hunchbacked. And I never, ever talked to him, but my heart broke for him. Yeah. It was like in this alpha woman type person, when I saw somebody hurting, my heart broke terribly. Now, do you think that's because you associated your own experience with them? Was it still, I guess I'm just asking, um, yes, you wanted to do good, but it was it more about um, self-protection and and self-recompense of you, you wanted your own hurt, your own experience to be um, reconciled? I don't think I... I'm sure that was there subconsciously, but not consciously, because I had totally blocked those things out. I did not rehearse. I refused to see myself as a victim. And I was going to rise up and and be the aggressor. (laughs) So all those things fed into the way I thought, the way I lived, what I believed, how I functioned, but I didn't attach it to that because I blocked those things out. I totally disassociated myself from being a victim. And, And so when I saw that homeless man, my heart just broke for him because he people would just look down on him and he couldn't even hardly look up because he was hunchbacked. But whenever I would catch his eyes, I would look at him and I'd smile and I'd nod my head and he'd nod back. And so we just kind of developed this little relationship, you know, on the way walking to work and on the way walking home, we would just see each other and acknowledge each other, even though we didn't uh, talk. And after months of, you know, the smiles and the nods, 
bags and, and I would occasionally buy him a cup of coffee, which was a real sacrifice <laughs> for me because I didn't have much money at that time. But uh, I'd buy him a cup of coffee and one day walking home, he was laying on the sidewalk and I thought, what is he doing? He would always crouch up against the building and here he's laying on the sidewalk and as I got closer, here he was laying in a pool of his own blood. Mm. And all these people were walking by in their fancy suits and their nice clothes, you know, governmental people, business people, and just like looking at him in disgust and walking on by, nobody caring. Yeah. And I saw this and I went berserk. <laughs> I mean, I went wild. And, and I said, call the ambulance. And this man in a three-piece suit said, oh, he's just a dumb bum. And man, that made me angry. And of course, I won't say how I acted. Uh, and then I went into the liquor store, which was where his domain was. And there's this guy behind the counter. And I said, call the ambulance. And he made this crude statement. And I leaped over that thing. And I grabbed that guy. And he goes, okay, okay. <laughs> and he called the ambulance. And when the ambulance came, at that point, he was pronounced dead. Mm -hmm. And I cried the whole way home. And that was the last time I cried in like three years. Yeah. Um, but I thought if that was me laying on that sidewalk, people would walk on by and they wouldn't care. And so uh, I rose up with a greater level of shame, fear, and self-protective control. So this was my life until I came to know the Lord. So I experienced injustice every day, all day long. I read of injustice. I saw acts of injustice. And so it just tainted everything that I, I did. And it yeah. became my belief system until I came to know the Lord. So what happens when you encounter truth step by step, line upon line, you know, it was a, a process. I began to recognize that the call of God upon my life was to lead, but to lead in righteousness and justice. And I began to look at leaders who exalted themselves you know, they'd be ushered in and mm -hmm. ushered out. Yeah. And when a lowly, normal person would come <laughs> up to greet them, you know, they mm -hmm. didn't have time for them. But if they were a prestigious person, they gave them attention. And I never attacked any of those leaders. It just made me settle in my heart what type of leader I wanted to be. Yeah. So as I've traveled the nations, uh, instead of... I don't ignore influential people, but when I see somebody broken in poor clothing and sitting off to the corner, I go down from the platform and go to them yeah. and love on them or prophesy over them or minister to them and, you know, just to touch them or walk by and put your hand on their shoulder or smiling at someone literally shifts yeah. how a person can see about themselves. And really, that's the power of love. That's the power of justice. That's the power of validation, yeah. right? Yeah. The things we talk about. I think of when Jesus, you know, told his disciples that uh, he came to serve. Yeah. And that leadership was about serving. So kind of what you're saying when you use your power uh, for to be self-serving, that's an injustice. Is that what, kind of what you're talking about? Most definitely, because if it's all about me, mm -hmm. it is so self-driven that I put myself on the pedestal. And in a world where fame is such a big deal, people yeah. will compromise righteousness. They yeah. will yeah. compromise truth. They will compromise justice to be able to feel better about themselves. And so I do believe first, we need to come to a level of healing that that we come to a point where my identity is found in my God, not my platform, my position, my title, any of those things, but it's it's found in Him. Because see, that's a humility aspect yeah. of Micah 6, 8. Mm -hmm. You know, I do justice, but I do justice by loving mercy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do justice by walking humbly with my God. Yeah. So it's not just an external 
action, even though there is external actions. It It's not about position, even though God wants to use our position. It's not about influence, though God wants to use our influence, but it's having the heart to make a significant difference in our world and in the lives of people. I know in our culture, we truly believe that every person is an in, is an influencer, yes. yeah. that everybody has some level of power and authority. So can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Because a lot of times we think, well, power and authority, well, that's this position or that position, or I need this many uh, people that I impact to actually have an influence. Well, and before you before you answer that, just an add-on, I was thinking, you know, um, before you came to Jesus, really everything was about you being a victim. You had been a victim. Other people were victims. Um, you were drawn to um, those who were marginalized, those who were victims of some circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that frame of mind, you... Um, you're groping for power because you don't want to be the victim. It's it's really about that. But when uh, we recognize that uh, we're loved, that we are accepted, that we're belonged, and and that happened when you came to Jesus, you learned those things. Then you kind of recognize that you have power to use for good, and so then it kind of goes what you were saying. What what does that look like? Yes, and really influences power. And it's not just people in large platforms that have the most power. It is the one who impacts the life of someone else. So Mm -hmm. every parent has power to influence their children for good or for harm. Every neighbor that I have I have the ability to influence or or treat that neighbor with the respect and the honor that they deserve. Uh, every person I come into contact with in the grocery store, you know, it's from the the smallest, littlest thing, even a child in school. My goodness, you know, what do we call it? Peer pressure. Mm-hmm. When someone uses their power of peer pressure to do good, yeah. that young person has learned to become a leader that has the ability to impact others for good. It's really a powerful thing. So everyone needs to recognize that they hold a level of power in specific spheres of influence. And I think a lot of times we just subconsciously live our life as though we're a victim of the world. So everything is about us. So Mm -hmm. somebody else did something that hurts me, that affects me. Um, And so we we just kind of live with that mind frame. But when we can really grab a hold of that concept that my, just my existence can have an effect, a positive or a negative effect on the other seven plus billion people on the planet, on the people that I live with, on my neighbors, on the the clerk at the grocery store. If I can um, actually acknowledge that I have the ability to make a difference and not just the world is making a difference on me, I think that's a really powerful positioning. One of the ways that I try to teach, well, at least one of my children, one of my 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 first child is he was always a large child, <laughs> and and I'm not talking weight wise. I'm saying well, he's what six three he, now. He's six three, six four, somewhere in there. Uh, he's taller than I am, and he's 13 years old. Yeah, and so. At that age, he he doesn't realize how strong he is. So mm. I'm trying to teach him about wrestling with his little brother and sister <laughs> that he doesn't understand his own strength. But one thing that I always try to instill within him that, okay, you have all this power, you have all this strength. You need to use that to protect people yes. yeah. and not harm them. Yeah. Yes. And so just even that little thing from a young age that he, because he is so strong. I mean, sometimes it's like, I don't like to wrestle with him (laughs) because he doesn't even know his own strength. But I keep on telling him like, listen, you have to use your strength to protect. Yes. And not to harm. And so there there were situations at school that uh, there were some bully situations and I just encouraged him. I, because his personality is kind of like, he's not a real social person. So I encouraged him, you need to be a person of strength in that situation and confront those things. Yes. And I remember when Aiden, oh, 
I just said his name. (laughs) When Aiden um, was real little, I was babysitting and and his sister was beating up on him. And (laughs) and, because she's a little bit more aggressive personality wise. So she was just kind of like on top of him and and he's going, oh, help me, help me. And I said, Aiden, stand up. Because he's he's physically he's much bigger than her, yeah. so I just said, Aiden, stand up. And all he had to do, he didn't have to swing his arms or his legs. All he had to do was stand up. And I think that is a, a really um, powerful wow. illustration because a lot of times we do live as that powerless person, and everything is happening to us. But when we recognize that just by being us, by just standing up in our identity and in mm-hmm. our purpose, we have have the power to um, not only stop injustice from happening, but to do justice. Well, uh, that scripture verse, you have the same power that was in Christ Jesus. Yes. The same spirit that was in Christ Jesus that raised him from the dead lives in you. Yes. So if it's the enemy in a spiritual sense or... uh, You need the courage to step up in in a work environment or in a place where you need to bring justice, you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you, obviously, if you're saved, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Or that you believe, but pull from that power. Yes. That that power is available to us. Yes. Yeah. Really, justice defends. Mm -hmm. Justice protects. It, It brings honor to somebody. It's what brings true biblical equality. Come on. Mm. It's what is fair, right, just, true. It It's seeing the worth of an individual and saying, I want to protect them because they are so valuable. They hold such great worth. And that that's the heart that motivates us to do justice. And so when we do it with, when we hold up God's standards, we will be an instrument of justice because God's standards shows us how to do justice. Yeah. Well, one thing you just said, you said that justice defends. And uh, when you said that, it's like sometimes I think we think that it's justice to bash injustice <laughs> uh, and, and it is right to call out injustice and, and to... Um, to, to make those things known so that they can be corrected. But I think there's a lot, there's a whole element of justice that we miss and that justice is not just calling out evil, it's calling out good. Yes. And so it's not just, um, it's not just putting down the enemy, it's actually calling out the greatness and, yes. and telling a person that they are powerful, that they are valuable, that they are worthy, uh, that they are, um, that they were created to be loved, to be accepted, to belong, that they have a place in the world. So those things are just as much justice yes. as it is calling out the, the evil. That's it, one thing that's, that I really want to be clear on. When we talk about justice, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's really coming from a place of our core value of validation. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's not just justice in just for justice sake, but it's to call out uh, the value. What expels darkness? Light. Yeah. What dispels yep. evil? Yeah. Righteousness. Right. And what what dispels injustice but righteous actions yeah. dispel injustice. So I was blessed to marry an amazing man who has always been my cheerleader, who has always honored me, who has always celebrated me, who has always uh, given me opportunities. Yeah. So the way he treated me was the opposite of my experiences. So over time, God used him, because he loved God, God used him to be an instrument of justice in my life so I could begin to see myself as God sees me. And I think that's an aspect of justice as well, because I'm not looking through the eyes of what I see externally. I'm looking through the Father's eyes of who he created them to be, to see their potential, not treat someone according to their imperfections, but treat them according to their potential. And see, that's being an instrument of justice right there. Yeah. And um, I think... I think when I hear justice, a lot of times I associate that with anger um, <laughs> no. because because a lot of the time we will 
um, we see a cause, we see an injustice. And so we'll ally, we'll partner with people who also see that as an injustice and it, it, we're angry about it. And the Bible, I love yes. that the Bible gives us permission. Jesus gives us permission to be angry and sin not. And I think that's the element that we really have to pull into justice is that we are, it is biblical for us to be angry at injustice, at evil, but it's also our mandate that we sin not in that. And so I think sometimes when we're we're on our justice brigades, we partner with each other and we're, we all share the same passion to stop injustice. But what we end up doing is pouring gasoline on a fire. We end up pouring anger in, um, in a destructive way rather than bringing in those truths of, of what is good and perfect and lovely and, and the things that, that can actually pull someone out and kind of pour... Um, you're, it's twofold. You're pouring water and and diffusing the power of injustice, um, but you're also creating something so good um, out of it. That that is so true. Because see, we are known by what we love, and we are known by what we hate. Yeah. But if we become what we hate. We're literally going to dismantle that right. gift inside of us to actually do good. And really, we see this, uh, uh, the Word of God says, uh, I have it written down. Oh, here it is. Isaiah 61, 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. Yeah. I hate robbery and I hate iniquity. Yeah. He hates robbery. Mm-hmm. He hates iniquity. He loves justice, but this is his solution for it. So in my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Oh my gosh, it goes on after that. This is one of my big scriptures and a part of my healing process because I saw in that scripture many years ago that where I was sinned against, where yeah. I was stolen from, God hated that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't his divine plan for that to happen mm-hmm. to me. You know, yeah. that wasn't what he wanted for me. No, he hated what happened yeah. to me. But because he's a God of justice, he made a covenant with me. Yeah. In his faithfulness, he made a covenant with me. And then it says, and instead of shame, mm-hmm. you'll have double Instead of disgrace, you will have a double inheritance. So he said, I hate what happened to you. And because I'm faithful, we got an agreement that now you're going to have double for all that injustice. And so all those things have backfired on the enemy. And I'm on a crusade (laughs) to be an instrument of justice. And I connect through my marketplace expressions, through a movement I have, different things. I connect to people who do not view justice necessarily from the perspective that I do. Yeah. Because even uh, Dr. King said that um, uh, violence was the language of the unheard. Mm -hmm. You know, that the riots and all those things are the language of the unheard. Well, I want to hear the language of the unheard, but I want to be able to speak righteous justice into those situations so that there can be true biblical justice and not a, a, a false expression of justice, which is really hatred. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking in our relations with one another, which is going to do more good? Exactly. If there is um, someone oppressing and I, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be consequences or, or punishments when it's due, um, but sometimes somebody somebody is being a bully and we go at them and and we um, say you're awful, you're horrible, you're, you know, all these things. But what would happen if we looked them in the eyes and spoke Mm -hmm. their worth and their Mm -hmm. value? I'm not saying that would change anything in the moment or, um, and that there shouldn't be consequences there. But um, it's just recognizing that our power uh, we have that power to use it for good, to speak those things into people. And can you imagine mm-hmm. if as a child, um, we spoke those words of life and like like you were doing with Aiden, you were saying, use your power for good. Can you yeah. imagine how he's going to grow up and the effect, the impact that he's going to have on the world? It's so easy to tell somebody they're bad or they're wrong or they're evil. Guess what? 
When I was all messed up, I knew I was all messed up. I didn't need someone to tell me that I was messed up. You know, I I would beat you up as well as look at you. I I was just, if you were a man, please do something so I can punch you. I mean, I I was in karate. I mean, I was a real aggressive person. Uh, They, my... My quote unquote friends uh, in the laboratory division said, Oh, here comes Mel Mel. Everybody can go to hell. And they would laugh. That was their joke about me because that's how I confronted life. That's how I survived. And oh my goodness. But what begins to change that is when someone can see your value and see your worth and be able to speak into those things and and not view you based upon the crazy things you do, but to be able to see beyond that. So I didn't need someone to point out what I was doing wrong. I already knew, knew that. I needed people to see my worth. And I will say, there was an agent, one of the agents that I served, he was so protective of me and I didn't have a dad. My dad died when I was young and here I was woman, hear me roar. I was going to take care of myself. But he would say, Melody, you better not be late for work because if you're five minutes late for work, I'm going to come looking for you. And yeah. he didn't do that out of control. He did it out of protection because I worked in top security type things. Mm-hmm. So he was going to be very protective over me and and. I recognized that protection and something took place inside of me that he values me. He would protect me. He'd come looking for me if I didn't show up. And I never said anything. I didn't acknowledge that. But I remember feeling that so deep in my heart and my soul. I want to cry right now thinking about it. But you know what? he might not have even realized that his position of influence in my life actually was touching the soul of a very wounded young woman. Yeah, And I'll never forget that because of how he treated me. You know what? Each one of us, and here we are, we're believers. Yeah, This is a Christian podcast. We serve a God of justice Mm -hmm. that uses his power for our good. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world. You know what? Jesus never, uh, uh, he went and he loved people. He didn't attack those who even were doing corrupt things. Yeah. He went where other people wouldn't go and loved people that you wouldn't picture uh, they should be loved. Man, you're eating, you're hanging out with sinners and publicans. I mean, Jesus... Jesus was a voice. He was a messenger. And as he is, so are we in this world. And I think we have the amazing honor to just recognize that our influence and our leadership can be done through the grid of good, you know, of justice. And we can have a great impact on people very rapidly if we use the words and act in ways that really show them how valuable they are. So you're speaking from a place of healing, right? Yeah. Uh, And so we're talking about being an instrument of justice. So I believe that what's happening on the inside of you, you will make happen on the outside. Mm -hmm. Like your internal reality will affect your external reality. So if you want to be an instrument of justice, but still inside there's so much hurt and wounding, you know, um, I'm not saying that you can't go do justice. I'm just saying that sometimes we'll create chaos because there's chaos inside. So how how did you get to that place of healing so that you could be a real effective agent or instrument of justice? Well, that that's a really good question. And I think it's uniquely different for every person, sure. but foundationally the same. And that is to replace every lie with truth. Mm. And it wasn't me rehearsing all the injustice against me. It wasn't me rehearsing all the stupid things I did and feeling guilty and repenting for it 50 million Mm -hmm. times, which I did, and it never fixed anything. (laughs) But it was allowing the voice of the Lord to reveal to me my false narratives, exposing the stories, uh, my previous stories, so he could reveal the lies, not so much the event, but the lie that was developed. Um, 
you know, I can't, here I'm married. Mm. And I didn't trust men. I was married for 15 years and really never gave my heart to my husband because I couldn't trust a man. Yeah. I'd be having nightmares of him beating me up and all kinds of stuff. And he was he was not that type of person. And so uh, like the Lord would reveal, look at your dreams, Melody. Mm-hmm. These are based upon a lie. And so I allowed him, it, it was a year and a half of really humbling myself before the Lord and allowing him to show me, Melody, this attitude is based upon this lie. Yeah. This fear is based upon this lie. And step by step, not looking for somebody else to blame, but allowing God to reveal what was in my soul So my mind could be systematically renewed by truth. And and I would rehearse day after day after day. I'd rehearse the truth. And and I think we're all still a work in progress. I I don't think any of us have arrived. Sure, you can't wait till you're perfect. No, no, no. To step out. And I believe I did beautifully good things, justice-driven things, because I was motivated by justice even before all that intensity of healing. But that was a great foundation that gave me the courage to face some of the lies and some of the experiences. Um, And I think it's so important to the best of our ability, we better recognize we can't always do this alone. Yeah. And I think I was thinking about um, in your double honor book, you talk about the empty cup. And I think sometimes when we've experienced injustice, uh, we're in such a a self-protective mode um, that that our cup's turned upside down and we can't even receive. And so I think a, a really good foundational step is getting to the point where you are able to uh, receive and pour some things in because really we give out of the overflow. Um, And so if we're trying to give from an empty cup, that's going to be really difficult to um, bring justice. Again, not that we can't do things, but... Um, but the more that we allow um, the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to pour those things, the more we open up ourselves, which is even more vulnerable and let people um, pour into us, which is really start recognizing who are the people, you might not be able to trust them with every aspect of your life, but who are the ones who are pouring into you for your good and start letting that water sink into a dry sponge, uh, letting that that uh, healing come to your heart one little dose at a time. Because the more you do that, the more naturally you're going to become an instrument of justice because yes. now um, it's, not, it's not coming from an empty place. It's just an overflow. And I think going back to Micah 6.8, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, we will love yeah. with mercy and guess what? The automatic byproduct is going to be being an instrument of justice. Yeah. And I really think also when it talks about reaching out for help, all those years ago, there were not Christian therapists that yeah. were so founded upon the Word of God and truth. And, or you didn't even talk about therapy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't even discuss that. We didn't even tell anybody we had a problem because yeah. we had to have it all together, right? Especially if you were a pastor, especially yeah. if you were a leader. I would never even go forward to get prayer for healing because if I got sick, <laughs> how could people follow a leader who got sick if we believe in healing? Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all these crazy ways that I functioned, I, I never ever acted like I didn't love or I never acted like I ever got hurt or, you know, yeah. I had to be above all these things so I could really help people, which was such a lie. And I remember when I stood before the church all those years ago and, and I said, let me tell you the truth. I've lived with shame fear, and self-protective control. And in this last year and a half, God has done such a work of healing. And then I shared with them how I was molested. I shared with them uh, about different situations in my life. And uh, and everyone was like brushing their forehead like, she's not perfect. Thank you, Jesus. There's yeah. hope for me. Yeah. And, and see, that's the humility part. It's like recognizing we don't, we're not all perfectly together, but we're going to submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God and allow Him to do a work inside of us. And if we humble ourselves, we'll do justice humbly. Yeah, We're not going to rise. I mean, I hate injustice, 
but I don't even hate the person who does injustice. I have to settle it in my heart. If God loves them, I still have to love them. There might be consequences, you know, and there probably will be consequences, but what's going on in my heart attitude? You know, Joel, you correct your kids, but that's not an absence of love. That correction from that authority is doing what's best for them. Yeah. So it's it's a good thing to bring correction. Really, correction is just course direction. Mm-hmm. It's not saying I don't love you. Yeah. Well, and I, I do want to pull that in because I think as we're talking about this and and um you know, and even loving your enemies and those type of things, um, you are worthy of love. And so if there is any situation um, where there is active injustice happening against you yes. that needs to be brought to the light, yes. uh, we are not saying in any way that those things need to be ignored and we just That's have to right. think good things about them <laughs> and just move on and pursue our healing. You're going to pursue your healing, yes, but um, but we just I just want to be clear that yes. if, there's, if there is active injustice happening, um, you deserve, you need to go get help for that. And you are valuable. Yeah, yeah. You are a son or daughter of the king. Yeah. God is your father, and he does not want this for his sons and his daughters. No. Yeah. No. He yeah. wants he wants you to be. What you value, you protect, yeah. you invest into, you treat as value, valuable, and you serve. And so I, I just think that's so important from a leadership perspective, from a relational perspective. I know that justice is is a big topic right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I find like even in myself, some of the some of the justice aspects that are being talked about seem so much bigger than I can even yeah. bring change to. I know that we all have a part, but they're they're on a global scale, they're on a national scale, they're they're mm-hmm. they're things that are so much bigger than what we could ever do. So what are what are some ways that we can practically bring justice in the environments that we actually have influence over? I, I'm really glad you said that because we can pray about the whole global scheme of things sure. and we can do what our hand finds to do and do it with all our heart and all our might. Uh, but the fact is our place of power is our place of influence. Yeah. And so for me to try to take power in a realm that I do not have authority in or I don't have influence in, I'm setting myself up for failure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so how do we do this practically? Oh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, wives, submit yourself to your husband. Who, man, when you're loved, like Christ loved the church, man, you're going to run to submit to that. I mean, you're going to like, yes, this is what I want. You know, parents with their children, school teachers with with the kids in the classroom, you know, how do you treat them? You know, mm-hmm. uh, how, how do you invest into them? You know, employers with their employees, you know, where mm-hmm. wherever you work, wherever you go, in the little things. Sometimes the littlest things make the greatest impact. And Katie, I know this is a really big deal for you. We'll probably be doing a podcast on generosity at some point in time. But it's like having a generous spirit. You know, every time you have an act of generosity or an act of compassion or an act of mercy or an act of correction in love, all of that comes from justice, which is power or influence used for good. Yeah, And that's what leadership is about. That's what being a pastor is about. If you think about this, um, the, the higher you go on the leadership level, the greater level of influence you have, but the greater responsibility you have to serve everyone else. Yeah. To be generous to everyone else. So if you're on the top of that pyramid, that means everything underneath that pyramid is your realm of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, all the 
nice little flowery things you say. It is taking responsibility to defend and to honor and to protect and to care for every person in your sphere of influence. I'll tell you, in a world where people want to shirk responsibility, true justice is where I assume the responsibility that is given me and doing it in a way that honors God. When my actions align with the standards of heaven, justice is being enacted. And every time I confront that which is an affront to God, I'm walking in love. Yeah, I'm walking in justice. So when, uh, Joel, you stop Aiden from being too rough on his little sister, that's an act of justice. That's an act of love. That's an act of honor. And it's righteous. And it's the best thing you can do for the 13-year-old as it is for the 11-year-old. And so it's so important to recognize if we do things righteously, remember the throne in which God rules and reigns is upon righteousness Mm -hmm. and justice. So if you have right actions, justice will be established. And so we'll never see justice manifested in our land Mm -hmm. if our actions are wrong. And I think uh, one area, you know, we're talking about the people in our lives directly. Those are the ones we have the the greatest impact on. Um, but one area that's a little bit of a soapbox for me is social media, because I think it's Very really, really easy for us to dismiss and uh, let down our responsibility on social media when um, it's strangers or where you're just throwing out your opinion. And I think really because we live in an age of social media, this actually is impacting our yes. world, Yes, um, is that we have to to be really, really accountable and really careful with what we are throwing out there on the internet because it's really, really easy to just drop a comment to go along with the um, with the the tone or the slander or uh, any of those things, even in a joking way. To be honest, uh, we we jump on these trends, and um, if we really look at the heart of it, are we causing good or are we causing harm? Exactly. And uh, one thing I said a long time ago, but but. Um, that another human being is worth more than my two cents. Ooh, so we good. love to give our two cents. But if you think about it, if I'm looking at another person, whether they are standing physically in front of me or they are behind a screen somewhere across the world, they are a human being yes. and they are worth more than my opinion. And so I think we really have to be careful not to feed a system or a spirit of injustice um, by just throwing out our opinion, which might be angry and we're sinning in the process. I think that's really, really careful to, uh, really important to to guard ourselves in that is that it's not just um, well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go walk down the street and push somebody into traffic, but online, what's my behavior? Am I um, metaphorically pushing someone into, uh, into harm's way? And so that's, I'll get mm-hmm. off my soapbox because yeah. I could preach that one, but I think that's another practical way we can do justice. Well, Dr. King even said, he said, hate will not drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah. And so we have to recognize, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're in a spiritual battle. And so we're not going to do that with our fists. We're going to do it in prayer. We're going to do it in uh, the thoughts and the ways of heaven, Mm -hmm. doing actually acts of justice in a a godly way. I want to read this. It's so good. It's by Theodore Roosevelt. And so it's, it's a little old as far as a quote goes, but he says, do justice and therefore fight vigilantly against those that stand for the reign of Molech and Beelzebub on the earth. He's talking about (laughs) spiritual battles here, okay? And then he says, this is how you do it. Love mercy, treat your enemies well, secure the afflicted, treat every woman as if she were your sister, care for the little children and be tender with the old and the helpless, walk humbly. You will do so if you study the life and teachings of the Savior, walking in his steps. Yeah. That's powerful right there. Yeah. Yep. So we have a responsibility to this world that we live in um, to 
build it up and to speak the things of God over it and to uh, seek out the golden people and um, not feed into a system of injustice by using our power, which is any influence. Your words are your power. Your actions are your power. Your attitudes are your power. Your choices are your power. And so it is not just a positional influence. Um, Who you are is influencing your world. And so um, we get the amazing um, privilege of having the Holy Spirit's help. He's our helper. Um, And so we're not doing this alone. And so I think um, just as we're talking about this, you can just say, Holy Spirit, I want to be an instrument of justice. I want to use who you created me to be um, to do good in my world. And he's going to illuminate some things um, that you can do really practically, really simply. I said earlier about that we had the, the the same spirit within us that was in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And so God the Father has a heart of justice. Yep. So the heart of justice lives inside of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and I know in our society, everybody thinks that their soapbox should be your <laughs> soapbox kind of thing, or their, their act of activism should be your act of activism. Yeah. Um, but you can't do everything. Right. Good point. You, good. you can't fix every wrong in the earth, but we have the heart of justice within inside of us. So connecting to the Father, connecting yeah. to his heart, asking him to reveal his heart of justice to you, and then step out in those things. I think that's a practical way as well. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and I think as you do that, there are going to be things where your heart breaks for injustice. Um, and then, so you you can feel that. The, the God move, was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. His heart was broken for people. Um, but then it's, it's he also gives you the solution. So you're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this on your own strength, your own ability, your own power. Um, you're doing the things that he illuminates for you to do. And that's where you're really, really going to see the impact because it's not just by your own hands, but it's by um, his heart of justice moving through you. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, let me just close with this. I'll tell you, I love talking to you guys. It is <laughs> it is always just so good. We, we could just go on forever because we just really carry a heart that really wants to see people healed. Yeah. And But this is uh, from Mother Teresa. It's a quote, and, and I just love it. You know, she was a famed humanitarian. My goodness, she had a hundred uh, organization in 123 countries. This woman was amazing, and she loved God. Yeah. And this is what she said. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of being selfish and having ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty makes you vulnerable. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It is never between you and them anyway. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.